Welcome to the Nativist Podcast. We tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level, cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. I am more than stoked to have this guest today. He is one of the most talented people I have ever come across. And just a chill dude. Like, he is so much fun to talk to. And a lot of our philosophies and thoughts on life seem to align. So I think you guys will really, really like hearing what he has to say. Just a cool dude. So without further ado, the guest today is Thunderstorm Artis, and I will let him give his background and he has a really cool backstory. So I'll let him tell that to you guys. Oh, thank you so much again, Whitney, for having me. Thank um, you. Yeah. So my name is Thunderstorm Artis. I'm from this island called Hawaii on Oahu. This little town called Haleiwa, where I was raised. Um, yeah. So my story pretty much is I'm from a family of 11 kids. We all played music. Our parents both played music. Just amazing artists, and it's decided to teach us everything we know. Um, and so I started playing music since before I could remember anything else. Uh, <laughs> I started playing guitar and writing music when I was like 13, 14 years old. And um, yeah, it just kind of really captured me. And like it's something I do every day. And now, um, long story short, because we're probably gonna get into it. Um, long story short, I'm touring around the U.S. right now. I was just in Canada for a bit. I'm in Denver right now for a festival, then I'm heading to L.A. for a couple personal projects, and then, uh, yeah, so on and so on to the end of the year. Uh, just, um, yeah, I followed my passion, I followed my dream, and it uh, seems that the, everything's starting to really align, and just super, extremely blessed by it. How cool is that, you guys? He is on tour, and... The cool thing about this guy, well, one of the cool things, um, he made the time. So he's been traveling all day. He's exhausted. We had actually recorded a, an interview previously, and the audio on my end was awful. So we had to redo it. So he was super nice and let us redo it. So I told him we're just going to recapture the magic because the first one was perfect and so good. But like I said, everything happens for a reason. So I'm actually excited to... Yeah, get to talk to him again and hear more of what he has to say. Um, so tell us about your huge family. So you come from a big family, 11 kids, right? Right. Yeah, so there's six boys, five girls in my family. Um, I'm, number seven, I'm number seven of the 11. Uh, fun fact, I'm middle by age, meaning I'm 10 years younger than my eldest sister and I'm 10 years older than my youngest sister. Um, yeah, we grew up in that little town called Haleiwa. Um, and we grew up playing music in the shop in our studio gallery at Pants Um And yeah, every day from 11 to 5, people would come through and listen to us play music. And we also create artwork and things. So we just, needless to say, we just grew up in a really creative household where our parents allowed us to really pursue our passion and um, really um, kind of explore it, but also challenge us every day to be better and be good people. And, um, and like, yeah, growing up in a family like mine was amazing, you know. It goes with all the trials and everything. We had a lot of highs and we had a lot of really lows. But um, through all of that, man, it was just an extremely blessing to know that we had family that was there and would be there forever. And so um, yeah, I like now that. a bunch yeah. of us, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I was talking to one of my friends before and I was just like, 
fame is fleeting, but family is forever. Ooh, um, and I really, good. Um, I, I really love that because it's like, you know, because of the things that me and my family have been through, we could argue, like, seem like we're about to fight and, like, throw blows and whatever. Sure. But the very next day, we know that we're in each other's corners. You know, we have each other. And yes. that's what it's about. So, um, yeah, so right now, this is the first time that I I moved to Hawaii. I moved to Nashville earlier this year in April. Fun fact, I moved there for a whole five days. <laughs> and then I started traveling. And uh, I haven't really been back since. It has been, like, four months now. Uh-huh. Um, but, um but yeah, and so I moved there. My younger brother moved to Seattle. My oldest brother is living in Portland. And then uh, one of my brothers was in L.A. And so it's the first time that a lot of us are living in a lot of different places. Yeah. But um, we still try to all stay connected as much as we can. Um, another fun fact, uh, right before you called, but for this, I was talking to my sisters on the phone. Oh, really? <laughs> back in Hawaii. And, oh, yeah, right on. Back in Hawaii, they're like, my younger brother jumped on for a bit. They're like, hey, where are you going to, like, when you're going to come back, I'm trying to plan this trip to London. I've never been to the UK. Ooh, uh, yeah. And so, like, I really want to try to make it out there. A lot of my favorite artists are coming from there. And so it's just, I don't know, with all this traveling for work, I wanted to kind of do um, just, you know, personal travel. Yeah. Somewhere that I can go and be like, hey, like, I'm just going to enjoy something rather than, like, going for work. Because I don't think I've ever done that. Like, Good just travel you. to travel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I might be doing that this year. Thank you. <laughs> so cool. So I feel like that helps keep you from getting burned out too. And you have been hard yeah. at it. You're a hard worker. And I want to dig into that <laughs> some more. But you're so driven and eye on the prize and going after what you want and making it happen. And like I said, I mean, you've been traveling all day and you still made the time to podcast today. So yeah, yeah absolutely. You have to have that balance and find time for your personal time to recharge your batteries and reinvigorate and reignite your spark and crucial for sure okay so i want you to tell us about your musically inclined family so you guys all were into music right yeah we all learned music um from a very young age wasn't forced upon us like anything it wasn't like my parents were standing like ah play 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 important it was like um my dad was just like you know if you want to get into music then I'm going to teach you everything I know, but it's your choice. And so my dad came from a, a big jazz background and was in Motown as well. So and cool. played a lot of piano, but also played a lot of different instruments and had like a lot of theory. My mom came from opera and jazz. Um, that's where she got to start in singing since she was 10. And so you just think these two creative people have 11 creative kids and taught us to play music. And uh, yeah, so we, what we did every day, day in and day out, um, I think the most beautiful thing was, um, they allowed us to be competitive with everything except for music. Um, and I think that was really cool because like, um, they taught us the, the importance of knowing that um, each of us was very different. We all something very cool to bring to the table. Like I might sing a song, but my brother may sing the same song, but he's going to take a different approach on it. And so learning to respect that person's approach and learn from each other rather than trying to be like, hey, I'm better than you and I'm pushing you down while I stand up. So, yeah, that's you- a little bit about my family, but... Yeah, it uh, was really cool. I got to link up with my brothers a couple of times this year. I'll be linking up with them again next month up in Oregon for the Sisters Folk Festival. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think I'll be teaching my first workshop ever <gasps> on music. Oh, right teaching on. on like teaching on songwriting. So I think that's been really cool. And then my brother is also teaching some workshops. Oh. So I'm excited to jump into that. <laughs> yeah. So I love that, that your parents taught you that you all contribute something different. And I feel like that's so representative of life, too. 
So it's not just in music yeah. in your family. It's also representative of what we all can contribute to life. And we all have a literal yeah. and figurative voice that is up to yeah. us to share with the world. And it's not about comparing yourself with another because you're not in the same position as they are. You have something different to offer. And it's yeah. your duty to share that with the world. And I love that your parents taught that to you. And I love that your parents yeah. gave you the choice to participate in music. Yeah. And it wasn't like, okay, Ep you're going to get yeah. into it. Yeah. No, everything, everything was a choice. Um, I really love that. Um, everything in life was a choice. We can, uh, everything was up for debate. Everything was always to talk about. Um, like my father was never like, do as I do as I say, do as I do. Meaning like, he was like the same things that I hold myself to, I'll hold you to. So like, he's like, if you see me making a mistake or lying or smoking, drinking, whatever, um, like call me on it. Yeah. And if I'm doing that, I'm going to call you on it. But we have a choice to try to hold each other accountable. Uh, and yeah, I just, I really appreciated that lifestyle growing up totally. at a young age. Um, it just really installed a lot of good values yeah. um, and principles that just I can hold on to now that I'm 23 going to 24. And I, uh, I can share with people that I need along on this journey that I've been on. Oh, absolutely. And I really like that too. I mean, that's really good parenting advice too, I think, because that keeps you <laughs> invested. I'm not a parent, so I love how I'm like dispensing <laughs> advice. Here's what you should do. But I feel like it keeps you invested and it kind of feels like you have some control and some say in the matter and some autonomy and it's not just being told what to do because, I mean, that just being told what to do makes you want to rebel you know, usually, and I yeah. love that approach. Yes, bow down to your parents. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I want you to tell um, us about what you grew up listening to. So you grew up listening to the classics, like Nat King Cole, and I remember that brings back so much memories because that's <laughs> many memories because that's what I grew up listening to. Um, so Nat King Cole, Coltrane, Miles Davis. Um, so what were your influences there and kind of go from there? Oh, man. Yeah, music, growing up, listening to it, like, every single day we had music on. We, um, growing up, it was like, we didn't really, like, use a lot of headphones to listen to music, like, by ourselves, like, isolated. We would just get up in the morning. Early in the morning, we'd probably do, like, something together as a family, like, play some video games, have a competition before we started chores. And as soon as chores started, my dad would boot up his computer and put music on. And that's how it was since for as long as I can remember. Nice. And it would be different things. It would be like, you know, Parliament Songadelic with like, um, yeah, it would be like Gil Scott Heron. There'd be like um, John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, The Lonesome Mom. Um, that's in the jazz thing. And then in blues, it was like Sunhouse, Lightning Hopkins, Holland Wolf, Muddy Water, uh, Little Walter. Like, um, yeah, like all these cats. And then like, yeah, then like Nat King Cole, Andy Williams were like two voices that like growing up because I really loved jazz standard songs. Um, there were two voices that really kind of just cures through some of that. And then I was just like, wow, like, this guy's amazing. Love the treatment. Yeah. Um, treatment meaning, like, how they treated their voice in a song. Like, how they were able to captivate um, captivate people just with the way they were carrying themselves, the way they were singing, and the way they were saying each word. It wasn't just like, ah, I'm here. It was, like, sure. subtle. And I just, I love that. And so um, my mom used to sing a lot of jazz as well. And so I grew up listening to her sing a lot of the songs. Um, and then you had guys like James Taylor, John Denver, as far as acoustic and like Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, then you had the Beatles, which are amazing. Um, you had this other guy whose name was, oh man, his name is, his name is, uh, I'm going to come back to it. He used to cover yeah. some of the Beatles songs. Richie Havens, I think mm. it was. Uh, Richie Havens, Miles Davis, uh, not Miles Davis, sorry. My words are going. 
uh, <laughs> Marvin Gaye. Oh, yeah. Then you had Stevie Wonder. You had Donny Hathaway. I could go on and on and on. Oh, my, yeah. my dad had some interesting philosophy. Yeah, he yeah. said that we couldn't say we didn't like a genre of music unless we could play it or understood it. Ooh. Um, he so has we, some we wisdom. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I love that you talked about how when you explain treatment, and I love that it shows how complex music is and performing is. It's not just showing up and singing a song. There's so much more to yes. it than that. And your approach and your style and how you're like conveying yes. whatever message you're trying to convey and connecting with yes. your audience. And oh my gosh, there's so much that goes into it instead of just, hey, I have a good voice or I think I have a good voice. I want to get up and sing. Like there's yes. so much more to it. M- music. Yeah, music is a gift, right? Yes. Um, yes. And it's up to you of how you deliver that gift. Yeah. Like if, like if you just go into someone, you're like, yo, Merry Christmas and put a thing up against your chest, like, it's not going to be like, yo, this is awesome, the most yeah. beautiful thing, but it's all in the delivery, how you convey it, and how you Ooh. share it, because you have something special and you're meant to give. And so, like, I love to watch um, talented singers that I can feel them through their music, and as you can tell, this is something special to them as they're sharing. And they're trying their best to convey an emotion that they're feeling, and helping someone else to interpret that and understand that. And I, I respect it when someone can do that well. Yes. Yes, because you do it well, too. I mean, you are a phenomenal <laughs> I performer. I am dying to see you live. It's going to happen one day, for sure. I'm going to make it happen. Soon, soon. But, yeah, no, I mean, just listening to your recordings, and he's on Spotify, and we'll tell you where to find him at the end, but he <laughs> is so good. His voice is, like, mesmerizing and so chilling and soulful, and I just could listen to you for days. I did, actually. Like, when I first, because my friend Brady had posted about you, and then I just sat there listening over and over and over, and then I looked up your account, like, went to your account, and then just kept listening to more and more recordings, and I listened to him on Spotify, and the guy has talent for sure. So, let's talk about your singing voice, because I love this story, and I love that you had (laughs) talked about developing your singing voice. And um, you had yeah. talked about how that doesn't necessarily come automatically. And we referenced Ed Sheeran because yeah. he had said the same thing. And that was so surprising to me and promising and encouraging. Not that I have any aspirations. To be a <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a girl can dream. But I love that you talked about it, And I love your humility. And I love that you talked about, yeah, like that's something that I worked on. Because listening to him now, you guys, he is so naturally talented. Like his voice is so silky smooth. And you listen to him and it just sounds effortless. <laughs> and I love those stories where people like tell you, no, actually there was some effort that went into that. And so yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, majorly, majorly. Um, it's a lot of work um, growing up. Uh, yeah, I would I would think for myself, I wasn't really good, but I was mostly like, hey, I'm going to be the rapper of the family. That's how my mentality was because, yeah, we didn't really, com- wasn't a competition between siblings, but um, growing up and seeing my older siblings who were amazing singers. And then I would always compare myself to them and others who I listened to. Like, I don't think I'll ever be as good as them. So what's the point of me even trying? Sure. And so I didn't, I, I didn't like sing or try to sing until like, you know, my early teenage years. That was because I used to just kind of go and sit in the room at night when no one was awake or early in the morning and, and like play the piano and play some old jazz centers and sing them and then it was really cool because my mom was the first one who realized that I could a little bit like had a little something um and she would come down and just critique me she'd be like uh oh, what are you hitting that note try this um try that try this but me being the 
teenagers that I was, I was always like, ah, no, I'm not going to sing. I'm just messing around. And then when she would leave, I would take whatever she said and <laughs> put it to work. Yeah. And, um, um, and so she was actually the person when I was, um, when I was 14, she was the person who put me on the stage for the first time in front of people, maybe before one of my original songs. Um, and I was like, this is going to be, yeah, this is going to be so crappy. Like they're going to hate it. And like, long story short, um, I played and my eyes closed the entire time. So was, like, I don't, I, if I look at them, like I'm going to like, and but when I opened my eyes, they were just kind of like really emotional. Like, dude, oh. like that was really good. That's not what we expected from you at all. Wow. And, uh, and so then I thought, Hey, I should give this a chance. Yeah. And so I used to, because my family would play music every day in our shop. But, um, what I did after that was that we set up a stage outside in our front yard. Uh, and I would sit there in between chores and different things and just play to the open air. Open air. Just like a random strangers walking by or whoever. Someone decided to come in and stop and listen. Cool. If no one did, then I was cool as well. Um, this is a funny story I love telling because uh, <laughs> I did that for a couple months. And my neighbor, after about three, four months, he came over and he was like, hey, he's like, Thunder, you know, when you first started, I was like, this is something that this guy probably shouldn't be doing. Like, <laughs> and then, um, but he's like, after, he's like, after a while, you got so much better. Um, and like, I really enjoy listening now. Please don't ever stop. Um, and it was just things like that. That's like, awesome. um, I love that. They kind of encouraged me and kept pushing me. Like I am, I am my worst critic when it comes yes. to things. Like I'm always trying my best to be better. Um, and I think that's a lot where my humility comes from is because I always see where I need to grow. And I always see how, like, I see where I am and I see where I need to be. And I know I'm not there yet. And so I'm constantly pushing and I'm constantly surrounding myself with people who I consider better than me. Um, and that helps me to look and not think, like, get all, like Hawaii says, um, not to get all high makama, which is like, hey, not to get all prideful, like, full, full, I can do this, I can yeah. do that. It's like, no, it's like, I've got a lot I still need to work on and a lot I'm still learning. And I think that's the beautiful thing of life because yes. I think once we, reach the end of the line of what we think we can learn, then everything in life becomes meaningless. So Absolutely. Um, and complacency is a kiss of death and you never want to feel like you've peaked or topped out because then the yeah. journey is over. And that's where the magic lies is on the journey to evolving and yeah. becoming better. And that applies to life in general. I love that. Yeah. And um, I love how... Oh my gosh, there's so many, every time that you talk, there's so many things I want to unpack because you have just so much wisdom packed into whatever you say. Um, I love, so I love that story that you just told and I love that you have this humble strength. And so you have this humility, but there's also an underlying strength to it because it's not like an insecure humility, if that makes sense, because when people are insecure, they like overcompensate or they don't want to share any of their areas that they're working on. And you're, I just love how you just have this solid self-awareness and it's so great to hear. Yeah. I didn't didn't always have that. Um, um, I'm learning to be more confident. I struggle with confidence still at, at the moment, like through different decisions and things in life and making sure I always had to worry growing up, um, that I was boastful, that I was prideful. Mm. Um, when it came to playing, you know, video games or sports, different things like that, I was like the loudest guy on the field. Or when it came to video games, I was like the most passionate. And my my siblings say, like, "Yo, I'm better than you guys. You can't beat me." And um, I just really got to see firsthand what that did to people and what that wow. did to me and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't it. Um, and my my siblings kind of reminded me of it a lot. They kind of talked to me like, "Dude, why you gotta be so prideful? Why you gotta be this way?" And like, 
it kind of just really kind of showed me like, wow, okay, this is not what I want to be in my later years. Like um, the people that I've grown to respect and like were the opposite to that. And, um, and I think there's so much more, I think there's so much more you can accomplish, so much more you can change, so much more you can give to the world by coming from a humble approach rather than from the I'm above everyone else mentality. But that's pretty profound and remarkable because you're 23, 24, 23. How old Say are you? Again? You're 23? 23. 23. So for you to cultivate that self-awareness and to accept people's feedback and hearing what they're saying and telling you that you're prideful and then to evolve past that and work on that, that takes people like a lifetime. If some people like <laughs> never even get there for you to... What? receive that i get <laughs> that's so impressive that's so impressive yeah well my my parents like i get most of my wisdom from my parents um which is really cool i, I love that because they're so amazing um uh, my dad had a, had a saying he's like there's two ways to take criticism um use a lot more colorful words than i would use but like <laughs> one to say that someone doesn't know what they're talking about and the other one's to say that um whether or not you agree with someone says um go back and work on it and then think about which oh, one's going to benefit yeah. you he's like he's like rather you're not when someone criticizes and they look at you he's like oh you know i don't think that's right or hey i think you go flat a little bit he's like what's the use in you getting prideful and protecting like um and then it's really cool for my faith and in, in the bible um talks about only by pride comes contention so meaning that like yo the only reason i would get upset by someone saying something in a sense of saying that I need to work on something is pride. Oh, absolutely. And, like if pride is if pride is out the window, then how should I respond to it? Does it like the delivery that some people do? Uh, it's really harsh sometimes. You know, it's really bad sometimes, and it's, it's easy for me to get upset. Like I'm a very calm dude now, but I wasn't always a calm dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, and coming from a passionate family like mine, you know, it's not always easy to. Uh, yeah, to humble yourself and to use discernment to kind of come through and try to find the core of what actually they're trying to say. Yes. Um, some people want to yes, help, but yes. some people don't know how to. Yes, so. yes, yes. And I love that too. And I feel like it's also recognizing, A, that it's your ego that's driving a lot of your resistance and a lot of your like hurt feelings and who do you think you are telling me that? And then it's also understanding that it's not just about you. It's about the other person too. And so especially if they're coming at you hot and they're abrasive and they're harsh with their feedback um it's not necessarily I like what you said that you extract whatever you can from that listen to it take what you can from that and work on it and take it um into consideration but then also recognize that hurt people hurt people or um if they're lashing out at you like with feedback or criticism um just understanding that's because like either they're hurting or like you said, they don't know how to communicate their message. They're, they, yeah. they're pure intentions, but they just don't know how to tell you what they're trying to say. Um, and so it's just like looking upon them with more kindness and more acceptance and more empathy instead of just yeah. like, throwing up the hand and being yeah. like, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Or like just yeah. like vilifying no. them and be like, what a jerk. Who does he think he is or who does she think they she yeah. is? Yeah. Just understanding that A, it's not all about you and be um there's some like truth and wisdom that you can take from that totally yeah and completely with you, know, you everyone to expound upon that a little bit more. yeah um yeah everybody's everybody's going through something man yes in life, and it's, it's crazy in this day and age like uh like yeah i don't want to get politics whatever but you hear sure. a lot about mental illness and stuff like that in this day and age to be 
to be weak, um, to be, I mean, not to be weak, but to be open or to be, allow your heart to feel things, sometimes it's considered a weakness. Yes. Um, and so you have a lot of people that have a lot of emotions that are really stuck down or going through a lot of things. And because of those things they're going through, the, they lash out in certain ways. Like they're trying to say something in kindness. They're trying to say something in love, but they say it the wrong way or they say it the way that they're accustomed to hearing it. Yes, and yes. Because since that's how they're used to someone encouraging them and pushing them, they're like, oh, maybe I can take the same thing and put this on someone else. Yes. But um, everybody's, everyone's the same, but everyone's very different. Yes. I mean, that, like I had to learn that. Like growing up in a family of 11 kids, we all learned the same lessons. We all had the same laws. We, we learned, we all had to, the same two teachers, our parents, but we we all took it differently. Um, and that's when I really learned that like, yo, just because, you know, this is the, the standard that I hold myself to or the way I think I need to hear this doesn't mean that my brother wants to hear it the same way. Exactly. Like, I, need to, I need to find out another way to say it. Like, and so, yeah. Tailor your message to and your audience. Then, yeah. Yeah. And I love what you said that you received the same lessons and were taught the same things, but you perceive them differently. And that's kind of the beautiful thing yeah. about life too, is that people have different perspectives. And sometimes it's really freaking aggravating when you hear somebody else's perception. Um, sometimes like if it's hurtful or if it's so opposite to what you think and believe and you're just like, really? Like, really? But that's the great thing is that we all have different takes on life and um, how yeah. life should be lived and lifestyles and what we should do and lessons that we should learn. Like everybody just has a different perception and that's so great because it just makes life so yeah. rich and complex and enhanced. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's beautiful because I think we all have a puzzle of life. Yes. Um, we have, yeah. all, have a piece of a puzzle <gasps> yes. that is life. And so it's like when we come, well, man is not meant to live life alone. Like um, the scriptures kind of talk about that. Like we were alone. God thought it wasn't good. So he's like, hey, let's create a helper. Yes. Let's create a community. And like, yes. and that was, you know, we need one another to, to move forward in this life. I mean, um, absolutely. Yeah, nothing good comes from just doing things your own. And so right. the moment you start thinking that you're by yourself and that no one else feels the way you feel, no one else has been through what you've been through. Sometimes that's the case, and most times it's other people struggling just as you are. Um, Absolutely. But if you never allow, I think the most beautiful thing I've learned, sorry, just a bit Please, bonus. please, do it. I'm loving uh, it. Do it. Yeah, the most beautiful thing I've learned, um, working in youth ministry and stuff, like, yeah, background. So I, I work in my church. I've done worship for my church for about seven years, but just recently moved off the island, so I'm not there as much anymore. But I did a lot of stuff in youth ministry, uh, working with a lot of youth kids and stuff. And, you know, you're always trying to help them find their path, find their life. You're trying to find a way to share it into their, um, into their walk and what's going on. A lot of these kids are going through a lot. But um, I learned the most important thing is that I can't ask these kids to be open to me if I'm not allowing myself to be open to them. Yeah. You know, I have to share what I've been through. I've got to share what I'm going through, like, presently, right now. And that's, like, if I want these kids to open up, it's only fair that I would open up as well. Absolutely. Meaning, like, that's the same in life with everyone you meet like if you want people to be real with you you need to be real with them um, yes. if you're not real with them then like you can't ask that like we can't take that hypocritical stand um or position right right yeah. and <laughs> I, that reminds me of your dad's approach too how he was very transparent with his approach and his parenting and living his life and yeah. you see me doing something kind of the same vein kind of not i understood what you were saying and i'm just kind of like yeah. building onto that um no it is and then it's and then also um I also, I lost my thought. So we were talking about, um, oh, yes. Yeah. So if you want authenticity in people or like you want 
love or you want acceptance, accept people. Lead with what you're seeking. And so if you're wanting yeah. to be accepted by people, then accept people. And people respond to that. And like you said, like it, it's hypocrisy yeah. if you're not um, giving what you're wanting or giving what you're taking. Um, right. I love this that. Is true. Yes. Um, but, but it's also important. It's also important to surround yourself with people who 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 love you or who know you yeah. who are who are striving for something better. Like being around a lot of toxic energy and trying to just accept them sometimes can really get kind of backed in, and some people can really take advantage of that. So yes. like you have to have that discernment. Um, I just yes. want to clarify that. Yes, but, important discernment. Thank you. So good. Okay, yeah. so um. Let's talk about some more of your background because you have had um, quite a background. Like you have a story, and there's more to tell there. So tell us more about so your story. My story is so layered. Uh, so I love like... it. I love it. Okay, so tell us like more about your childhood, and um, so I know that you talked about like coming from a musical family, musical background. Um, how has that shaped the person that you are now? You talked about a lot of the amazing lessons that your parents taught you. Um, yeah, and just kind of talk more about how that shaped you into the person that you are today and how you're living your life now. Okay. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the music. Yeah. Um, the music was, um, the music was a strong anchor for me, um, through everything. I, I've been like, I shared this last time we were talking, but as a kid, you know, I went through, I went through a lot of stuff. Um, I was a very introverted kid growing up, uh, and music was an outlet for me. And then, um, long story short, uh, when I turned 13, my father had passed away. Um, and so just like my whole young adult life, I had to grow up and kind of learn like what was important and, uh, and how to deal with all these different things that were kind of coming about. Um, but the beautiful, and the reason why I try to talk about emotions and a lot of things now is because when I was a lot younger, I kind of took a lot of my emotions and kind of stuffed it down and stopped thinking it didn't matter. And, uh, but the only place that I allowed those emotions to come out was through music. Music was the only place that I allowed myself to really feel. Um, and so then I think it was really cool because it's like through that, um, and then through going to church later on, that was when I really allowed to identify the fact that a lot of these things were like part of my life, a lot of things I need to deal with as far as like psychological, as far as depression and all these different things and how to really combat that in a good, healthy way. Um, because sometimes we can go through things in life and we can stuff it down and pretend it doesn't exist. And just because we say that we kind of got over it doesn't mean that we've dealt with it. Um, and so I had to really deal with a lot of my things. And I think through dealing with a lot of those things, I grew up really fast. Um, I, I started to learn what was important and what wasn't important. I started to uh, become... Uh, less impatient, more patient uh, with things in life. And, uh, and then like to just really make that commitment to do things that really matter to me rather than doing things that didn't. Like if my, I always say, if my heart is not 100% in it, I won't do it. Like, um, yes, I'm not passionate about this thing. If I don't feel like this is what I need to be doing, I'm not going to do it. And like, I think we just owe ourselves that. Like, um, and that's why I work so hard. Like constantly I'm traveling every, like, yeah, I haven't been in a house that I can call a home for like, you know, a couple months and like, it looks like for a couple more months. Uh, and it's kind of traveling every week and jumping around. But yeah, to sound more about my childhood, yeah, that was all from 13, 14 up and family, we went through a lot of stuff and that was when we kind of all band together. My brother, um, my oldest brother, um, he kind of took me under his wing when I was around 15, 16. That's when uh, he went to Germany for a year uh, and got married out there really cool and he ended up coming back and when he started doing a lot more shows 
I decided to kind of come alongside him and play with him. He allowed me to kind of travel with him and do things with him. And so we played as a duo called Ronnie Two the Second and Thunderstorm. We have an album on uh, Spotify that's called What Music Means to Me. That was named after one of my songs. Uh, but he kind of just took me under his wing and just kind of um, kind of helped me see the things because he had a really similar mentality as me. Um, he helped me to really clarify a lot of stuff that was going through and really kind of help be an anchor for me in a time of need. Uh, I think everyone needs someone like that in their life. Um, and it's cool, like, even though we're not playing together every single day, we talk to each other whenever we can, and we meet up whenever we can as well. Um, and he's awesome. still a mentor to me in a sense. But it's really cool now because every once in a while I get to – offer a little advice is helping his life as well. Oh, so yeah. Cool. He has, he has three little girls now. He's oh. playing with his band called Ronald Keats II and The Truth. They're about to play a concert tonight. Ah, cool. <laughs> um, right on. Him and my brother, and he lives in Oregon now. Um, that's what I'm seeing for this. This is whole festival. But, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, Ron, uh, my brother Ron was um, is amazing. And then, uh, yeah, he, long story short, like my, from, yeah, 15 to 21, he pretty much took me under his wing and like allowed me to travel with them, would pay for my airfare to places. Wow. We, he took me to my first ever trip to Germany that I went for six weeks yeah. um, uh, with him and his, his newly wife at the moment. And uh, we spent six weeks out there for over Christmas season wow. and we played a couple of shows. Uh, and then like since then, like, and yeah, he's forever been my biggest, one of my biggest supporters biggest encouragers um, so and this cool. kind of helped me shape into the man that I am um, and so now like yeah when I turned like 21 22 I started uh pursuing my passion my my dream I had all these songs that I've written wasn't doing a lot with and I just knew I needed to needed to do more with I think I owed it to myself to do it and I and he was just like dude go for it he's like you like I support you like I want you to accomplish it and I I think that was really amazing um, yeah, yeah. like I'm highlighting him I'm highlighting my brother, Ron, but um, the rest of my siblings were, were doing a lot for me as well. But Ron was kind of someone who was there with me yeah. almost every single day. I had a lot of conversations with me. Uh, it was him and my two pastors who kind of really helped kind of keep me out of the hole that I was in before. Oh, um, so cool. See, and then I show, that's, that's my childhood yeah. up to the moment uh, now. <laughs> well, and I loved, I loved how you talked about how repressing your emotions does not work. Um, so even if you feel like you've dealt with them, if, they, if you repress them, they're still there. And I love that you found refuge in music. And music can be so medicinal and soothes your lows and amplifies your highs. I love that. And I love also so yeah. your story about your siblings and your brother really nurturing that. And then I love also your past story that you told previously about your mom identifying and recognizing your potential and then really nurturing that too. And yeah having you perform and cultivating that in you and then i mean look where you are now like you're just straight shot yeah. to the moon like you're just <laughs> <laughs> on fire on total fire um so thank you for sharing that about your childhood um so i have the list of questions that we're going to get into and are you ready I'm ready. I'm awesome. ready. I'm ready. Sweet. Okay. So we've covered some of them. So you talked about who and what are a source of strength for you. So your family, essentially, right? Yeah. Um. Anything yeah. else you want to add family, to that? Family. Family. Religion. Um. Uh, wait. Before family, it's you know God, my church, my yeah. my faith. Yeah. There's family, and then it's uh, it's my I got my good friend Jonathan. He's I, one of my most amazing people. I talk to him all the time. Um, yeah, maybe one day you meet him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hope so. Um, and so him and then, you know, just my church people. Um, Very cool. My, my good friends 
And then my supporters that like out here on the road who are making a lot of this, like I am funding all this traveling and stuff myself. Wow. Um, but there's so many people like um, guys like my uncle, his name is Jerry Wanick. He was one of the people like when I was growing up that my dad would invite over to critique us, meaning that like my dad had his group of friends that would like, we would perform all the time, but they would like shut the doors of our studio and uh, they would sit there at the bar, which was right in front of us and listen to us play an entire set and then talk about what we needed to work on and what they picked out within the set. So Jerry has known me since I was eight. Wow. Um, I was actually just with them in Vancouver. Um, still one of the yeah, most amazing people I know. Like, he, him and his wife, Nan, are just amazing. And so there's other people like that in my life who have just come along and, you know, that are like, that are like family to me now. So, Very cool. Those are the people like. So what's Jerry's background? So, yeah. so he has a musical background, obviously. Um, so Jerry kind of technically, he has musical background. He doesn't like perform a lot, mm -hmm. but Jerry listens to a lot of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, he grew so up listening to a lot so. of music, going to a lot of concerts, going to a lot of performances. Um, his father was a musician. But Jerry is uh, an art director and producer for a TV show called Supernatural. Oh, in wow. Um, and so he works in the film industry. Yeah. Um, but he's also connected with a lot of people in a lot of different places. And so he was just, yeah, he met my dad kind of randomly in Hawaii like years ago. And like we've been friends ever since. But he's just kind of just been someone that kind of has that ear yeah. to pick up things and determine to. You know, sure things that sometimes that like when you're in it, you don't hear. Yeah. Like, always good to have someone from an outside perspective. In so many ways, in multiple ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to see your blind spots. Yeah. Very cool. Good guy to know. What a, sounds like a cool <laughs> guy. Sounds like a really nice guy. He's a legit guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so do you get stage fright currently, having performed as much as you have, having been in the biz for as long as you have, having perform music since you were a kid do you still get nervous ah stage fright um in a sense like i don't think i get stage fright like I, i've never gotten to a moment where i'm like ah, i yeah, can't yeah, go yeah. Off it. like i can't do this i've never i i haven't experienced that since like you know my very very young age like just kind of like yo i don't want to do this like you're really pushing <laughs> yeah. um but i i do get um what i call anticipation mm -hmm. like before a show for a set, like I'm going through my mind, like I'm running through it, like what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what's going to feel. I, I'm thinking about my notes that I have to hit in certain songs that I'm thinking about doing. Yeah. And I'm wondering like, okay, can I hit these notes? Yeah. Is it going to be able to be possible? And then when I'm on this stage, you do have the ideas of like, hey, are people going to enjoy this? Like, There's some settings like that. I, oh, I, last yeah. time I was in Denver, I played this show. There was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was really cool because I was like this <laughs> concert. It was like heavy metal, rock. Heavy metal, me on acoustic guitar, <laughs> and, <heavy metal. laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, everyone here is like, you know, rockers, and I'm like, yeah. I'm the only guy with an acoustic guitar <laughs> about this thing. Like, are these people gonna enjoy? It? Right. Like, um, that sometimes runs through my mind, and I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm gonna go up. Do I need to? Do I need to change what I'm gonna do so yeah, I can yeah, try yeah. to more be like the other artists, or can I just go out there and, and be me and share that? And um, but nine times out of ten. I've learned that, um, I wrote a song actually about it. I, I learned that that's kind of what I call my silhouette of fear. It's something that, you know, that I struggle with inside, I battle with, but not necessarily that other people can see. But also, you know, that it, it's just it's just a big lie and a hindrance. Um, yeah, I'm writing that down, there. silhouette of fear. You gotta, yeah, you just have to, you have to go out there and you have to do you, because that show, I went out there and 
I just said, I'm just going to be me. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm going to sing the songs that I sing. Yeah. And like, it was, it was amazing. I made some amazing friends there. Uh. A lot of these kids, a lot of these, not kids, but people, um, there were older people, there were younger people, but they were all going to a lot and they were able to connect through my music. And they were yes. like, this is what we needed to hear. Oh. Like, you know, they were so thankful. They were so thankful for me sharing from my heart. Yes. And like, to me, that was something that I found amazing. And so, so nine times out of ten, just the moral of the story is, do I get stage fright? Sometimes, like, I get nervous sure. inside, but I never allow that nervousness to stop me from delivering. Ooh, and I, yes, and I love, okay, Silhouette Affair, I love that. And I love <laughs> how you talked about just being yourself and owning it and just bringing whatever you have to the table. And how rewarding to have that be the reaction for people to be like, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah. Wow. That's like the ultimate. Yeah. And then um, also I love, well, I love everything you just said. So that um, particular gig, have you had more gigs like that? How do you actually choose the gigs? Like how does that work out as far as like what, what, what gigs that you book? Like do you? Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just recently started working with the booking agency. Oh, gotcha. And, um, um, Robbie with Slow Life Entertainment. And so um, – He's been booking me a couple shows, and I've been kind of using my old contacts and booking shows as well. And so I play a lot of different types of shows. Like I'm right now, I'm in Denver for a festival. Um, I was just in Canada for a festival, and then I'll play like you know different house concerts in between. I play different small venues in between. And so sometimes, like if I'm in a new city that I've never really been in, I'll kind of go and like you know take some shows that. Not so, you know, I'm not headlining and selling tickets for, but it's kind of like, hey, I want to just kind of go meet new people. Oh yeah. To play a Network. And so. So like yeah, like um, yeah, I play pretty much any stage. Um, nice. Yeah, because you never know who's gonna be there, who needs to hear. Yes, I cool. love that. That's and, where your head is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and I love. Well, you didn't necessarily say this, but kind of in the same idea. Um, reframing fear. So like I liken it to before I'm about to get up and teach or public speak. Um, so yeah. I somehow out of nowhere developed like a love for public speaking I have no idea where that came from but I love it now I love it and so I had read somewhere about just it's kind of like an energy hack and it's kind of like a life hack where recognizing that that adrenaline that's coursing through you that's a good thing you want that because that helps you stay alert that helps you stay on your game that helps you stay um like nimble and doing what you need to be doing instead of like Right. lethargic or off your game and so like reframe it that way and think of it as a good thing instead of like feeling jittery and feeling fearful and scared be like no sweet like here's the adrenaline here it comes I need it I'm ready for it now yeah. it's going to make me even better it's going to make me more alert it's going to make me on fire it's going to be awesome I love that love that yeah. um no I, I love it I love it too because it's like I think the most amazing thing is sometimes you can look at it like fear and like wow this is crippling crippling but the amazing thing about it is that in the moment if you think about what that fear is doing it's the fear is showing you all the things that could possibly go wrong yeah. right it's, it's showing you like this could happen this could happen so in a sense it's helping you navigate how to get through something without making that mistake yeah Sometimes, like if you look at it and so it's like because like i don't do it a lot but i really i figured out I, as a kid, I thought it would be the thing I hate, but I do it sometimes with like public speaking or talking to people and like sharing my story and kind of talk about philosophies and ideas. And so, and I've kind of learned that. And it's sometimes where I'll like study and write out an entire thing. But then when I get up there and I'm like, okay, I'm able to read the room and see how people are reacting. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to say this instead. 
maybe I need to go this direction instead. And like having that um, ability to be sensitive to know that, okay, something's telling me that this is wrong. I'm feeling this energy. I'm feeling this vibe. Yeah. I'm acting upon it. Yes. But it's that tipping scale. If you allow it too much, like then it will cripple you and you won't say anything because you're afraid that if you say anything that it's going to go horribly wrong. So sometimes you think the best course of action is to not say anything at all. So then you kind of just stand up there frozen, and then all it takes is one someone, one person to say something to you at that point in your life when you're vulnerable, and that would be that one thing that is crippling for your entire life. Like there's so many people that I know nowadays who think they have a horrible voice, they think they can't sing or can't do music, and when I ask them where that's rooted in, it's the one time where they were trying to be themselves, and someone told them, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't sing, or you know, you're a little flat, and so then now their mind they're thinking I'm flat. No one's saying it to them anymore. They're saying it to themselves. They're holding themselves down. And, like, you became your own, yeah, you became your own captivator. Like, you're you're containing and trapping yourself. Yes, yes. And you're, I remember one of your quotes from before was, um, your biggest enemy is the enemy within, and, like, you're your own limit. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so let's unpack what you just said, because there's so <laughs> many things to talk about there. So I love making peace with your fears, I love that idea and reframing it. It's a good thing. And I think that that's so useful too in life with everything yeah. is understanding your body and your mind and everything are trying to serve you and they're trying to keep you alive and they're trying to do right by you. And so it's understanding that. And so sure you can get anxiety and sure you can have fears, but it's trying to help you. They are trying to help you survive. It's your survival instinct. Yeah. It's trying to help you. And so understanding that instead of like resisting it and getting mad at it or trying to like run from that just recognizing and being like hey we're cool yes I understand that my fears are trying to help me like you said navigate a situation and help me um bypass some falls that I could possibly have um and it's trying to help you and then I feel like it's just making friends with your shadows in general and your ego and just making peace with yourself and then, like you said, like you can't let one side get too loud, so you can't get your fears get too loud, and you can't let your ego get too loud because you still have to tune into those yeah. fears because they help you. But then you um, right. can't get so lost in that world that you're crippled, like you said. Balance is the key to right. life. And then um, yeah. it's tragic, like you said, you know people who have great voices or are talented, and because of one piece of criticism or one careless word that was said to them in a vulnerable state now they're not sharing their talent with the world and that's tragic for them and for everyone and it shows us that we need to be more careful and not careless with our words and sometimes I mean things happen whether we intend for them not to um but be careful about what we say to others and then understand that it's again like it's not about us necessarily like if I were to sing for you or someone else and they told me that I sucked or that I needed to like really improve I understand that there's value in those words and that feedback and to extract from that like you right. talked about before and then also like if they said that I suck recognizing that it's not always about me or my talent it's about like more their emotional state or where they're well, coming from well yeah well yeah because they're saying that they're they're not thinking about what their response is going to do like um yeah like being in youth ministry just trying to sound super Christian you still know oh yeah but <laughs> it's like it's like uh, it's like if what you're saying is not edifying to the other person, don't say it. If it's not lifting it up, don't say it. Like like a good word given harshly can be considered wrong. You know what I mean? Like because it's like 
hey, like if, if someone says, if you're singing and you're a little flat, someone's like, yo, you suck. Like that, that's nothing just coming from that. But if someone's like, oh, you're a little flat, hey, maybe work on this. This is a technique that I use to, so I can uh, like not be flat anymore. This is some way I train myself to overcome this thing and get more comfortable with it. And like, and most of the time, nine times out of ten, the reason why most people are flat when they're singing is just because they're not comfortable and they're nervous and so oh, yeah. their vocal cords are like really shaky and you don't know where the note is because, like, like if you're not familiar with what scales are and what notes are, like then it's almost like every time you open your mouth to sing, you're shooting in the dark because you don't have the knowledge of knowing where you need to, oh. where you need to be. And so it's just like with anything, it's like trying to someone trying to kick a soccer ball into a pool. If they don't know how to actually kick a soccer ball, they can be pointing straight at it. But when they kick that ball, it's going to go away to the right, away to the left, or it's going to be too much power and way up in the sky. Like, it's not that, like, they suck at soccer. It's just that they just never been given the correct tools yeah. and learning how to work towards that. And so, like, um, my mom has a theory. She says that um, everyone can sing. She says, if you can talk, you can sing. I love like, that. <laughs> She's like, your singing voice is your talking voice. And so she's like, don't, like, she would like take people who, who think they're tone deaf. And yeah. she'll be like, get one session with me and I'll show you. Um, it's just with anything, it's just practice. It's just getting comfortable. It's just yeah. putting time in. Like, um, yeah, yeah. you put your mind to anything in life, you can accomplish it. Yes. Um, going on the whole thing about, going on the whole thing about the fear. I, I love dabbling like in martial arts and stuff, but I think an amazing concept is judo. Mm. Um, you know much about judo at all? No. So judo for judo for training, right? They do a lot of throws where they slam each other on the ground. So for training, when you're first learning judo, they want you to get comfortable of like falling or getting thrown. So you spend the entire day throwing yourself, like just flipping and allowing yourself to hit the ground, hit the mat, getting up time and time again, so that when someone throws you, you're not in fear of like panic yeah, and you like yeah, hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you're you're comfortable with hitting the mat. You're comfortable now that you, your body knows has that muscle memory. This is how it feels. It's not that bad. Like, oh, this is okay. Yes. I can it. Look at me. Yes. I'm okay. And so yes. it's just, you want to get comfortable with your fears. You need to spend time with it in a sense. And so sometimes start a smaller circle. Like when I was starting playing music, like I would go and play on the street for random people. Like no one, like no one cared to listen. No one cared to listen. Someone stopped to listen. Cool. I'll go to an open mic. Like there's something wrong with that. Play just one song that you practice for a couple months and see how people react to it and then before you know it you'll be playing your first small opening show or your own show somewhere at a cafe and just start small get used to it get comfortable around it develop that muscle memory so you don't have that where you don't know what it is because the when you don't know the unknown is crazy and your body doesn't know how to react to it i absolutely love that and i love to even if you don't necessarily physically put yourself in that situation like let's say that you want to be a performer or a singer and you don't physically go out and perform in front of others, which I think you should do like you did, um, theorize what would happen. So let's say that you are about to give a speech or do something that terrifies you and then think of the worst case scenario and then think if that happens, then what will I do? Or theorize like multiple like bad outcomes and then be like, I'll still be alive or I'll still yeah. be okay. Or just like grapple with that and like really come to terms with it. If that's the worst thing that will happen, I can make peace with that and that will be okay and just kind of think yeah. about it. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, yeah, because, you know, it's like, especially when you've done something before, like even if you're in the most crippling fear, you can think about, I've done this before. I've done it before and it's worked. Yes. So I'm just going to do it again. Yes. Um, like, 
and like I've been in situations like that where it's like music playing in front of a lot of people and I'm like I'm going out there and I'm like I'm gonna go out there and do the same thing that I did when I was in a smaller room with 15 people yeah I've done this before yeah I know how to do it I'm not I don't need to freak out because I know how to do this I've been here before I'm just gonna go out there and deliver yeah to be me and like if you just think of that from that point of view, it is hard because you have a lot of people watching you. A lot of people watching you means a lot of different opinions because everyone's yeah. different. Yeah. Some people are going to love it. Some people are not going to love it. Yeah. Some people are going to get what you're saying and some people are not. And sometimes you have to be comfortable with that. But every once in a while, it's a special moment where everyone is on the same place as you and they really love what you're doing. And that's amazing when it's that way. But um, just being comfortable that not having the expectancy that everyone's going to love it, but having the expectancy is that I'm going to go up there I'm going to do my best. I'm going to give my all, whether there's one person or whether there's a million. And that's that the mentality people need to have. And I think that comes from your sense of value being rooted in, well, kind of, this is kind of addressing kind of like what we've been talking about here. So your sense of value being rooted in purpose and not external validation. So like if some people don't yeah. receive your message or what you have to say or your performance and they're not a fan and they don't like it, being okay with that. And not thinking that that means that you suck or you're not talented or you shouldn't get out there and do it again. Um, and it sounds like you're very rooted in your purpose and your love of music and your desire to like heal the, not heal the world, but like help the world and like connect with the world and connect with others. And it's not just about like external yeah. validation, hearing people tell you how good you are or the fame or the money. Yeah. Like that's, you can absolutely tell, like you just completely emit just that groundedness in your sense of purpose. And it's not about like yeah. how many followers can they get. Yeah. Cause those things come and go money, sure. fame, all this sure. things. Like I said, famous leading, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, everybody wants to, you know, be famous, have their own car, have their own house and stuff like that. But the thing is, if you get all those things, but sacrifice who you are and not have anyone around you that's real and really knows you, all those things are meaningless. That's why most rich people you see are completely miserable. They're just, they're sad. They don't have anyone around them who really cares. Like, if you're famous and if you lost everything and the people that are around you are not still around you when you're at your lowest and like that's not the place you want to be and yeah. so i try to cultivate an environment like i was talking to my friend the other day like in hawaii the um this, this concept ohana family yeah the island the island like um everyone in the island is connected like on the north shore like i know people who are a hundred times more famous than me but there's one of the most humblest people you ever see yeah and um in hawaii it's a sense that, like, hey, all of us together, we make this island. All of yeah. us together, we carry this. And this is, we're one. And so, like, that's the mentality I try to take into the world. It's like, when I meet people, this is the reason why, like, if people are writing me on Instagram or, like, like how you reach yeah. out to me, I'm not like, oh, I'm too busy, too famous to answer this. It's, sure. like, uh, it's like, okay, cool. This is someone. Let's talk. Let's see what we have to offer each other. Yes. Because that's what life is about. Like, yes. We need to, when we embrace people, leave the world a little bit better than how we came into it. And yes. so I hope the day when I'm gone that I'll leave more behind than platinum records and a lot of money, but lives that I touch and change and lives that have touched my life and changed me. Yes. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. Yes. So last time I had talked about the effect that you want your music to have on the world. Um, and I loved what you had said, and I want you to add to this what um, I have. Yeah. So you had said that you had wanted to make people think, you wanted to get people to talk. We're all similar. Like you said, we're all similar and we're different, but we're all connected. And I love how you said you want people to think about themselves and others. And I love that so much for so many reasons. 
But most of all, because that yeah. is the exact purpose behind my blog and podcast. Completely aligned. So I was so jazzed <laughs> to hear that. Yes, I'm so on the same page with you as that. Yeah. And I love, like, it introduced, like, the whole idea of Sonder and understanding that everyone has a life that's an internal life um, that's as vivid and complex as your own and understanding that and recognizing yeah. that. And we're all here to connect with one another and to help each other evolve and grow and to love each other. And I love how you told the story about, I want you to tell the story again about the, the man that you met on the bus. And then that prompted that song that you wrote. So yeah. tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. So there's, um, she's referring to the song that I wrote. It's called lost it all. I wrote it when I was in uh, California. Um, there was one night after a show, I was on the bus sitting in the back just uh, with my headphones on, listening to my music, but there was this older gentleman who was sitting there towards the front of the bus, um, the old Italian man who looked, um, he had like a bottle of like vodka or tequila in his hand. He was just sitting there drinking, but crying and like hitting himself. And he looked like he was going something really heavy, but the thing that hit me the most was there were a lot of people around him and not one person paid him any attention. Not one person said anything to him. Um, and even looking back on this, like me watching the situation, I was so bummed that I didn't say anything. And um, as I got off that bus that night and I went to my friend's house where I was staying and I slept, like the feeling that I got seeing him there, um, it really stuck with me, it really hit me. And I woke up the next morning and it was still there. And so I wanted to write, I wrote the song as if I talked to this man and he shared his story with me to bring awareness that you never know what someone's going through, but we need to take the time to stop and ask. Like, um, because yeah, you never know. It could be life and death situations, man. There's a lot of people who are just hanging on by a friend. Oh, and if man. you're not, if, if you're not showing them that, you know, you feel them, you understand them, you love them. Um, like, yeah, the worst thing, worst thing ever is to be that person standing at someone's funeral and saying, I wish I did something. Oh, and so that means me. Do something, do it now. Get up. If you see someone going through a hard time, call them up, talk to them, even if you don't know them well. Yes. Like, you never know what it means to them. It means yes. the world to someone. Like, oh, that's something that has always haunted me, just people not knowing how much I love them or if somebody's, like, really in a tough spot. Because how many people have we seen who have taken their lives that you just never know the effect that you're going to have on somebody? And yeah. so it's so important to connect with people. And have you heard of that account? It's, like, on Facebook, and now they have a book, The Humans of New York. Yes, you were yeah. talking about that yeah. last time. Yeah. So, um... I love that because the guy interviews and takes pictures of people and they are just regular people on the street that he meets and they always have some depth and some story. Everybody has a story and I know that we had already mentioned yeah. that and everybody has hopes and dreams and worries and concerns and stresses and just understanding that we all are walking around with all of those bundled up and so it's so important to connect with one another and empathize with one another. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. Um, so, gosh, I know that we're, I could talk to you all night long, so I don't want to take too much more of your time. So I just have a couple of more questions. Um, all right. So what is your biggest obstacle? My biggest obstacle is accomplishing what I'm trying to accomplish while staying myself and staying grounded. Um, a lot of things are starting to really grow. Um, I've been a lot of really bigger opportunities. And with those opportunities come a lot of, expectations from others, yeah. um, especially when other people get involved. And so trying to stay true to yourself, um, what you believe, in the midst of all that is can be tough, can be difficult. And so that's the biggest 
obstacle in my way at, um, right now at the moment. Um, the other than that is just, you know, um, yeah, you know, traveling by yourself for so long that can, you know, it can get really tiresome. Uh, and so the most amazing thing has been that I've been to probably 15, 16 states this year, but every state that I've gone to, I know someone. And so that's been really beautiful to connect yeah, with people. Um, totally. And that's just a, it's been cool to catch up with old friends, um, meet new friends, make friends, go out and do things. It's really kind of got me out of my bubble. But um, yeah, just kind of, you know, I think it's important whenever you do something in life to go along with, with companions, with people. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I'm looking forward to next year, hopefully, kind of doing this again, but with, you know, a group of friends, a group of people who yeah. make something happen, make it special. I think something with that, that's the, that's the biggest obstacle, you know, it's kind of like, but at the same time, it's taught me so much about myself sure. that I, I, I love, um, yeah, traveling, making decisions, being responsible, being a responsible 23-year-old now. <laughs> like there's no better position to be in than like yo if you don't book your flight you're not getting there yeah. you, don't, you don't wake up early you make it to your flight you're not getting there you can't yeah. blame anyone else but yourself you get too late that's your fault yeah. you party too much that's your fault like it teaches you responsibility um, and all this has uh, really taught me a lot about like managing myself managing my money managing decision making um, just planning better just trying to be an overall better responsible as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Um, So one, I want to make one last point and then one last question. So I loved a term that you used last time with new levels come new devils. And so that's understanding that every new (laughs) phase that you enter into your life, there are going to be new challenges and obstacles and you're going to learn more and grow more. And that's the beautiful thing about life. Like you will continue to be challenged and that's the good thing that means you're still in it you are still learning and growing yeah. um okay no, I, so I believe it's, go ahead yeah no i think that where that saying is kind of rooted to it's rooted in um the scripture it's like consider it pure joy um uh, my brothers and sisters whenever you face various trials and like things so that you persevere persevere through it like i'm butchering the scripture um it's really just in Corinthians. but um the concept of what it's talking about is that uh you know when we go through these challenges, it's because we have evolved in a sense. So now these challenges are something that are coming against us. Not to be weary because you're not thinking, oh, because these are coming against us, we must be doing something wrong and I should be afraid of it and kind of go back to where it was. But instead, look at those challenges and embrace them and move towards it and overcome them so that you can move towards the next one. And um, yeah, kind of like I said, there's always more to learn in life. And so there's always going to be a new challenge. And I think it's I love challenges. I love being yes. challenged. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So one last question and we're done, Zo. What is your <laughs> legacy? <laughs> what do you think your legacy is? My what do you life. want your legacy to be? In life, and music, ah, all of it. Man. Yeah, no, I, my legacy is saying it's a goal, man. It's growing, growing and growing. I think, you know, you know I, I think what I would love to leave behind someday um, is just that example for the, the generation I heard a saying, it's just, I'm living life for a generation that I'll never, uh, and I, I love that saying because my legacy, I want to just kind of leave behind, like, hey, you can live a life without all, without compromising. Uh, you can achieve great things in life. You can, you know, you can play on big stages. You can do all these different things and remain true to yourself yeah. and remain true to your beliefs, not have to change. It's such, it's such a sad sight to see, like, I've seen so many people who um, have started in such a strong foundation and then, like, you know, they get to such a high level that they kind of lose track of it. And uh, I really hope I, and I pray 
that if I do reach those levels, that uh, that remain the same person I am today. I like um, I love it. Like watching guys like Keanu Reeves. I was watching videos where like he would still take the subway train. Yes. Like at like at his like at his fame. It took like guys like Jack Johnson, like um yes. like from the town I'm from. He'll ride around on a bicycle. People see him. He drives around in a soccer mom's van. Like he's one of the so most down to earth people yes. you know. But he's like super like hugely famous. But um and yeah. that's my legacy I want to leave behind is it's like you can accomplish your your wildest dreams without sacrificing who you are and what matters to you for real life. And that's what yes. I want to leave behind. Yes. Amen. Okay, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify. Look up Thunderstorm RTs, RTs spelled AITIS, but it should also be in the description. Yep. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm the only guy out there named Thunderstorm, I think. I've met another <laughs> Thunderstorm. I've met Thunders. I've met Storms. That is the coolest name. In between. <laughs> How cool. And it's real. It's your real name. Yeah. Yes. My, my full name is Thunderstorm Kahikili, my Ronnie O'Keefe. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Okay, so yes, that's I'll have this in the short notes. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, there'll be in the show notes where you can find him. And thank you so much. You rock. You're so welcome. And I can't wait to see you in person and see you rock out live. And it's going to happen. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Uh, very soon. Yes.